there is no business owner on the planet who's got it all together. But there are some honest people out there that will tell you that along the way, they have learned some really tough lessons. Hello there, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and whilst this podcast is usually about shining a light on the direct selling industry, hearing from incredible guests, and of course, talking social media and all things technology and marketing to grow your amazing direct selling business, today's going to take a little bit of a left-hand turn or a bum steer, if you like. I really had it on my heart to talk about some of the things that I've learned through mistakes that I've made as a woman and an entrepreneur or a business owner. You know, this has been a journey for me of almost a decade in business alone. And along that journey, man, have I learned some lessons. These are lessons that I know everybody learns in some way, shape or form. But for me, I wish somebody had sat me down and told me some of these things 10 years ago. I am, however, very grateful that I learned them the way that I did, but I would love to share some of these with you, kind of rip the Band-Aid off, so to speak, and tell you just a little bit about some of these mistakes that I made, maybe in a bid or a hope that you might avoid making some of them as well. But most importantly, I want you to know that if you are experiencing some of these challenges, you're not alone. I think there really truly is this misconception that when we go into business, we have to hide behind this facade that says, I've got it all together. And I can tell you right now, there is no business owner on the planet who's got it all together. But There are some honest people out there that will tell you that along the way, they have learned some really tough lessons, in many cases, the hard way. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of those today. Now, I'm also not going to pretend I have got this all worked out. I really believe that when we show up to business every day, we're learning new skills as we go. The world is changing, we're changing, and you know what? I am so grateful for this incredible journey. This has been not only a life-changing journey for me, but every day I get to experience new incredible human beings like you who is tuning in and listening to this episode today. And that for me is such an honor and a privilege. And I don't take it for granted that I get to show up and be here for you and with you every day. And this means such a lot to me. So I want to talk to you about five mistakes, five of the biggest mistakes that I've made in business as both an entrepreneur, a mum, a woman, but most importantly, things that I really believe many other people out there are probably experiencing right now that might be you and thinking that you're all alone in this. So here is my first mistake, boundaries. Now, this was a really tough one for me, and this one's kind of entwined with a couple of the other mistakes that I made and lessons I learned along the way. But 
When I say boundaries, this was actually a really tough one for me because I'm not only referring to the boundaries I set with my clients or my customers, I'm also referring to boundaries I set for myself from myself. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I uh, tend to be one of those people who hides a lot behind my work. I love what I do so much. And it's one place that I know I can go a lot of the time to feel like I'm getting something done. Or in other words, I can feel successful in my work because I've got control there. So sometimes, and I recognize this in myself, when things get a little bit tough, maybe on the home front or maybe in my personal life, uh, I tend to jump into work even harder because for me, it's an escape. It's a place I can go where I know I can control more outcomes. Now, that can be really dangerous and it means that I end up creating a situation where I become my own worst enemy in many ways. So along the way, I have had to set some boundaries for myself so that I've got these hard lines. And there's a couple of things that I've done. I'm going to tell you a bit about these in just a sec. But I also had to get really clear on boundaries with clients and customers. And can I tell you, this is an ongoing journey for sure, 100%. I haven't got this one all worked out, but I have learned some things as I've gone through about how we set those boundaries and how we've got to stick to them in order to, number one, um, uh, over uh, um, promise and not over promise and under deliver. Oh my gosh. So wrong. Um, over deliver and under promise. So we want our clients and customers that totally, I totally messed that one up, didn't I? <laughs> what we want is for our customers, of course, to know what to expect, but then give ourselves enough room to move so that we're not setting this expectation of something that we simply can't deliver, uh, or that we have to absolutely pull ourselves apart part in order to deliver. And I see people doing this a lot, particularly if you are a people pleaser. And I definitely am one of those. So setting boundaries was a really tough thing for me in the early days because I just wanted to, to keep everybody happy. And one of the things I learned was that not everybody is your ideal customer. And so what happens is when you're trying to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one because you end up working super hard for what I I call the squeaky wheels in business. These are the customers or clients that you just can't keep happy. There's nothing you can do that will keep them happy and their expectations are up here. And the problem with that is that you actually got an ideal person out there that you can please really easily because you guys are meant to work together. You click. And so when we try to work with people that maybe we shouldn't be working with, and we've all done it, then we end up spending less time with the people that we actually should be piling our time into. And what happens? No one's happy and you feel like you're stretched super thin and you're just not getting it right anywhere. And that can be super, super challenging. So let's start with talking about boundaries from yourself. Um, if you love what you do and you're a little like me and you find it to be at times a bit of an escape 
or you feel this expectation that you have to constantly be serving, you're going to have to set some boundaries for yourself, particularly if you have family. Now, even if you don't, you need time for yourself. And one of the things that I found was really challenging for me, uh, and, and well, I was going to say in the early days, but really it's always a big challenge for me, is knowing what the balance is between personal life um, and work life. Now, for me, there are two things that I had to personally implement to help me set boundaries from myself. Um, if I was feeling a little bit stressed or, uh, you know, I had a lot on the go and, and I knew I had a lot to get done, um, I would put to the side things like, you know, um, being at home or, you know, cooking dinner or doing the things that I felt I should have been doing with my family um, in order to deal with this stuff at work because that could be sometimes hard but I knew that work was something I could do well. So um, I was finding myself to, I would be present with my kids, but what would happen is in the back of my mind when I was working from home was I'd be constantly thinking about um, what I could be doing, what I should be doing right now. And there was this stress that hit me when I walked in the door. There was one particular day I came home, I picked the kids up from school, I had the groceries and I walked in the door. And as I walked in the door, I just felt this, um, heaviness as I walked in because I realized that now I had, uh, you know, the importance of being a mum, the importance of being a wife, but then also the importance of the work that was waiting for me at my desk that was now, you know, five meters away from where I was standing. And all of these things were waiting for me. And that was the moment where I realized I had to create some separation. I had to create for me a boundary so that I could uh, I could create this space where I was either at home or I was at work. Now, for some of you, uh, you're in a situation where you can't separate the two because your work is in your home. And you might have the reverse problem. That reverse problem for you might be that you actually prefer to, you know, if you're at home, you get distracted by things like the laundry and, and you know, jobs around the house and you end up um, neglecting your work and your work is over there and, uh, you know, you, you don't take that time to be at work. So this goes both ways, by the way. But what I worked out I had to do was I had to come up with a system. So when I was in a situation where I couldn't separate home from work, they were in the same place, what I did was uh, there were two things that I would do. The first is, number one, I created a workspace that was as separated as I could possibly make it. Now, I've had several different workspaces over the years. The best one was always where I had an office with a closing door because it meant that I could walk through that door and be at work, but I could also walk back out of it, close the door, and work was now behind me for the day. That's the best scenario. Um, I also made sure that when I had that space, it was not a space that others came into. Typically, it wasn't a space where I did anything other than work, and this was really important. So uh, it wasn't a space where, um, you know, we would also eat dinner or we would also do this or we would also do that. And I definitely didn't use it as a leisurely place. It was work. So if I wanted to do something that was social, for example, on my computer or my phone, I would do it in another room. I'd actually take my laptop out of that room and I would separate myself. So that was kind of the best scenario in a home environment. But you may not have a situation where you can close the door. 
You can, however, make sure that wherever that environment is, whatever that space is, you still have that boundary of separation. And so, uh, you know, I've had a situation where I had a desk and that desk was for work space only. It wasn't used for anything else. I made sure it was used only for my work. And then the next thing that I did was ensure that I always had work hours. So I would schedule, and that may change, by the way, from week to week, but I would schedule into my calendar exactly what hours I was going to do. And like I would if I were going to a job, I would show up at that time at my desk and I wouldn't leave until it was time to leave. Yeah, I could go get something to eat or drink, but I would make sure that I would treat it like it was a job. I'm going in, I'm working, and then I'm leaving. I wouldn't get distracted by going off and doing anything else because that would take my focus away. So if I had laundry to do or I, you know, there was a project I wanted to focus on in the home, that would have to wait until I was at home. So I would create that separation. The third thing that I did, and I have done this for years, and it's it, it looks funny probably to people on the outside, but to me it is such a habit now that it just makes perfect sense. When I go to work, I get dressed for work. Even if no one is going to see me for the day, even if I don't have any meetings or any appointments, I never show up to work in my pajamas or my track pants. I have got my makeup on, my hair is done, and I'm wearing my work clothes. And for years, I continued wearing a suit to work while I was going to work in my lounge room. Now, this doesn't mean you have to go to this extent, but the trigger for you may simply be putting on a different pair of shoes. It's something that triggers triggers your brain into going, I'm now at work and you go into that space. But most importantly for me, it was about I'm now at home and I'm switching off. So depending on what for you is the challenge, depends on what you may need to do to set that boundary. Now, that's a personal boundary. Um, so office space was one thing. I now have an office outside of my home. And this for me is the best scenario. And you can actually set this up in so many different ways. And that doesn't have to cost money. If you've got a friend or someone in business who happens to have an office space out the back or even just a little room out the back that they're not using, you may be able to borrow that off of them or even rent it for a very small amount of money, which I did for many years. So I could literally drive to work and drive home home. And that for me was the best scenario because it really did give me that separation. And I noticed a big shift when I started to walk in the door at home. I didn't feel that heaviness anymore of all the things I've got to do for work. It was now I've left work, I'm home and I'm here with my family. So that for me, was a really big one. The next one for me was actually my mobile phone. Now, I would suspect whether this is a business thing for you or not, your mobile phone may very well be a challenge for you because they are such addictive things and they're addictive for so many reasons. But one of the things that I noticed and I paid attention to my behavior and this shocked me when I noticed how much I was doing this, I actually counted one day how many times I would walk past my phone and tap the screen just purely out of habit to see if there were any notifications or messages. Now, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one that 
does this? And what was worse was because my phone lived on my bedside table on charge every night, like many people's do, um, I noticed I would, if I rolled over and woke up in my sleep or I went to the bathroom or had a drink, I would do it there as well. I'd roll over, tap my phone. If I saw a notification or message, I simply couldn't ignore it. And there were those times where there was the one thing that grabbed my attention so much, I had to deal with it right there and then. And then I got stressed and then I couldn't get back to sleep and it just, it took over. And there was one particular day I said, that's it. I have got to set some boundaries for myself, particularly when it comes to my phone, because the other thing I noticed as my kids were getting older was that they were observing me being absorbed in my device as well. And I didn't want them to see that and learn from that. So I decided I needed to set a few boundaries also around my device. And so uh, for me, that boundary came in some small steps. The very first of those steps was that my phone would actually live on charge in a different room of the house when I went to bed at night. And that instantly changed so, so much. I now It's now not the first thing I check when I get up in the morning and I'm not distracted by it throughout the night. I also don't have the danger of blue light, which means it interferes with my sleep. So I started getting so much better sleep as well. So phone lives in a completely different room on the other side of the house, has done now for about six years. Best decision I ever made as far as that was concerned. But the next thing that I had to do, and this took a little bit longer, was actually limit what I was doing on my mobile phone from particular times. So I set some times and I moved them back as far as I could where I would say I no longer look at my phone after this time or I no longer do anything other than talk to friends or family after this particular time. And I got to the point where at nine o'clock at night, my phone would go on airplane mode so that no matter what, for the next hour or two, I wasn't looking at it at all and I could have that time to wind down. Now, preferably, and I would like to get that even earlier for me, preferably over time, I'll shrink that back. And, you know, it's got to be a personal thing. But certainly now from six o'clock at night, I don't do any work on my phone. I only speak to family and friends. And then definitely it goes on to airplane mode at nine o'clock so I can start to wind down. Now, the difference that that made for me personally was huge, but it also changed the fact that my kids were observing me having a lot less time on my mobile device. Now, when it comes to boundaries with clients, with customers, this is really important and a super tough one because it can, if you're a people pleaser, feel like you're letting people down. But actually, if you don't set clear expectations from the onset, then you are going to be letting people down because you're not being clear about what they're going to get and how you are going to serve them. So for example, another thing that I had to get really clear on was what hours I was going to work. In the early stages of business, I would work all hours of the night and the weekend and that created a situation where people expected it. And of course, I got completely burnt out. Now, once you set an expectation, it's very hard to undo it. So I got to the point where people were ringing me at 10 o'clock at night on Sunday afternoons and expecting me to answer the phone 
or respond to my emails, which meant I was stepping away from my family and my personal time. So now I was prioritizing my customers over my kids. And that left me feeling really, really stuck and really in the middle because I wanted to keep everybody happy. Ever felt a bit like that, trying to keep everyone happy? And of course, you just simply can't. So I made sure that I changed those expectations right from the outset that I didn't work weekends and I stopped work at five o'clock and that was simply it. And I would come back to people at a later time. Now you might be thinking, well, what about social media? Social media goes 24 hours a day and shouldn't you be responding to people at night? I can tell you right now, I have not responded to anybody after hours for a very long time on social media. And I haven't had any complaints about that. I respond to people in the morning when I start work and people expect that that's what you would do because this is your job and you're working office hours, right? So especially when you explain to people and you're really upfront with them about it, it's not about them. It's about you setting those boundaries because you've got to do what's right for you as well. And people really do respect that but they need to see you respecting yourself first. So no, you don't have to respond to social media the moment that somebody sends you a message or a notification. If you want to, absolutely you can, but don't feel the pressure that you have to be on Facebook or Instagram at all hours of the night just to do a great job. That is false and it's going to burn you out really quickly. So setting boundaries, super important, not just for other people, but for you against you. And it may be and a variety of different circumstances and situations. But have a bit of a look, just have a little bit of a poke around your life. Have a look at the way that you behave and what you get up to. And when you see something and you think, this is not the ideal scenario for me and how can I change that? That's where you can set or change some boundaries to help yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. But most importantly, to take care of you because that's really, really important. Now, the next one is, uh, I I really think, a a big problem for many people in business, and that is a fear of delegation. Now, what this looks like is I'm just going to do it myself because I know it'll be done right, and it's easier than trying to explain it to somebody else. Hmm. Well, that's a bit of a backwards way of thinking I have discovered over the years because what happens is you end up with everything on your plate. You end up not doing anything right because you're trying to do everything and you end up getting a bit resentful of the business, of the jobs. How often do you take on a job because you're afraid to delegate it? You don't want to delegate it, but then you become resentful of the job itself because it's taking up so much of your time. One uh, of my mentors said to me uh, many years ago, and this was such a really wise piece of advice, she said, you need to get really good at the following, do, delegate, and dump. She said, when you write out a list of tasks that you need to do for the day or you look at your calendar, you need to break everything in there down into one of those three categories. And you've got to make sure that the delegate and the dump is as big, if not bigger, than the do category. Because what happens is it's so easy, particularly if you are a really driven person, to throw a ton of stuff into the do pile because it just seems easier at the start, but you end up completely burning yourself out and actually not doing anything really well. So getting clear on what is your skill set, and this is a challenge, but so powerful once you do it. Where is my superpower? 
what is my gifting? What am I actually great at doing? Because that's the thing that's going to make you profit and it's going to help your business to grow. When you spend time doing things that you don't love and that you're not skilled at, because you're afraid to delegate, you're actually going to be holding yourself back as well as not doing a great job for others. This for me was something I really, really got clear about when I first was in the business, maybe in the first 12, 18 months. And I thought, I have to get great at accounting. I have to get really good at accounts and paperwork. Now I can tell you, paperwork, not my skill set. I'm not an administrative person by any stretch of the imagination. It's, I don't enjoy it and it really isn't something I'm good at. But for whatever reason, I decided that it was important. I got good at it because that's what all good business people do, right? Very, very wrong. I later on learned, and you know, Richard Branson was somebody who said this. He said, I'm so successful in business because I hire people that are better than me at the task that they do. And he said, and I don't for a second try and fool myself into thinking that I can be good at everything because I simply am not. And so he knows the importance of hiring experts to do the things that he isn't great at. So you may not be in a position where you could hire somebody, but certainly there are ways that you can delegate tasks to others that you're not great at or get rid of them altogether. And you've got to ask yourself the question, is this task moving the needle in my business? So accounting was something I thought I had to get really good at. And on one side of the fence, it is important that you know your numbers. Absolutely, even if you don't love your numbers, you've got to get good at being able to read them so that you know if you're doing well or what you've got to do to improve things. But doing things like accounts and actually working through that side of things was not necessary for me to get great at. And I thought to myself, no one wants to do this task. So I can't ask anybody else because it, everyone hates accounts, right? Everyone hates admin. Wrong. There are so many people out there that love those tasks and are incredibly skilled at them. And after asking around just a little, I actually discovered there were some people out there that were willing to help me for very little in order to do something that they loved and were very skilled at, freeing me up to do the things that I was really great at. And it totally changed the, uh, the, the way that I worked in my business and therefore the success I was having in my business as well. There are loads of ways that you can get the assistance you need, whether it is in hiring people online. There are so many people through freelance websites like Fiverr and Upwork and Freelancer, um, all the way through to, you know, trading out with people and getting assistance with people maybe for trade out of services or, or product. But you can also pay somebody to help you and you will be surprised. Someone who's really good at a task that you don't love doing is likely to do it very quickly in comparison to you as well. And I see that as being an investment in the future of your business also. You've got to be a little bit careful because you obviously don't want to um, overload yourself with uh, um, with costs, etc. But at the same time, you've got to ask yourself, how much will it cost me not to get the help with this as well? So do delegate dump, get really good at delegating and do not for a second think you have to do everything because that's a big mistake to make. 
The next one is one that I think I'm working through every single day, but I am so much more aware of this now than what I once was. And I can tell you that uh, I can recognize this in other people in a heartbeat. And you probably can too, if this is you. And that is chasing likes and trying to get everything right. So this looks a little bit like trying to get everyone to like you, trying to please everybody. I've already talked a little bit about people pleasing, but the thing about this is for me, it was really hard when I had a vision and other people didn't necessarily see that vision. Now, the thing that I learned and am still learning to this day, and I think always will be learning, is this one key thing. This is my journey, not anybody else's. And the challenge with chasing likes and approval and getting it right all the time is you're looking outwardly rather than inwardly. And uh, often I have to pull myself up on that. And it, it often comes around family and partners. And I know some of you right now are probably going to lean in and go, oh, that one's me. It might be somebody who has um, criticized or judged what you do in your business or why you do it, or they just don't understand where you're going and it doesn't make sense to them. And so they make these little comments or snide remarks, or they might come straight out and tell you, I don't know why you do that or why on earth do you do that? And it leaves you to question yourself because you're chasing outward approval and that can be really dangerous. So the last thing I actually want to mention kind of ties into this, but I want to remind you of the importance of knowing that this is your journey, knowing where you're going and why you're going there and understand that nobody else is supposed to be walking that journey. And so now when somebody criticizes or questions what we do, and you know what, to anyone who doesn't understand what we do or why we run a podcast or why we work specifically in the direct selling industry, it may look very strange. It may not make sense. We often get asked by family, why on earth do we spend all of this time traveling all over the globe? Why don't we just work from home? Um, you know, why don't, why don't we go out and get employment? Because it would mean that we can take leave and, you know, we can have more time to ourselves. And the answer to that is I don't need their approval because this isn't their path to walk. It's not their journey to walk. This is our vision and it's our mission. Now, however big or small that is for you, it doesn't matter, but it's not up to anybody else. And I can't expect somebody else to validate that journey for me. Now, that can be really tough if you are a people pleaser. And I struggle with this one often, but I always have to come back to that one key thing. This is my journey and I've got to remember that I'm walking my path just like they're walking their journey and I could judge them and question what they're doing, but it's not my journey to walk and I don't need to understand it just like they don't need to understand mine. So this comes back to the very next thing, which is probably the biggest thing that I had to learn. And it was the biggest aha moment for me when I did. And it was such a freeing thing once I did, which was knowing why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing, who I'm here to serve and having a legacy. Now, that sounds big, but let me tell you, the smallest of impacts has a big ripple effect.
So often I talk to people and they say, well, but my business isn't like yours, Sam, because I'm not speaking to thousands of people and impacting thousands of businesses. I've just got my little direct selling business over here. And so my ripple effect and my legacy isn't very big. And my answer to you is that's absolute rubbish. You've got to remember that you're doing this for a very important reason. And whatever reason that is for you, it matters to you. And it matters to those people that you're impacting. And you don't know what that ripple effect is going to be. So think about it this way. The ripple effect may be this. The ripple effect may be that you show up into your business for the day for, say, three or four hours while the kids are at school. You get so much joy from serving the people that you're working with that when your kids walk in that door at night, they're getting the best version of you that they could get because you're on a high. You're excited. You feel like you've served people. You've done what you're here to do. You've walked your journey for that day. Your kids walk in the door and maybe they've had a bit of a rough day but they walk in that door and you are showing up as the best version of yourself today. And that changes the way they leave the next morning and impact their friends and and teachers even at school. The effect that we have on the people around us, we may never actually get to see the impact of. We may never hear what we get to do. But you've got to remember that understanding why you do what you do is really important. Now, let's look at from the other perspective here. You've got your kids or your partner that you may be impacting, but what about your customers? What about the customer who uh, heard from you today? You left them a little voice note just saying to them, I appreciate you. Thank you for being a customer with me. And, uh, and I just really appreciate you. And I just want to check in and see how you're doing. A simple message like that, that can totally change the way that person shows up for the day for other people. And so, Knowing what your why is, why you're here, who you're here to serve, and most importantly, having a legacy that's bigger than just I'm earning some extra money because I can guarantee you that's not why you do what you do is so important. Now, once you get clear on what your why is, it changes the way you show up. It goes from it being a maybe to a must. In other words, when we know why we have to show up, suddenly there isn't a question in our mind anymore about should I or shouldn't I do this? Do you know, for many years I questioned if I was in the right business, if I was doing the right thing, if I was able to serve people the way I wanted to serve them. And the problem with that was that whenever I came up against challenge or adversity, I ended up folding or buckling. Now, we're always going to have our mission, our journey challenged along the way. It's going to happen. You're going to have ups and downs and highs and lows. And if the challenge knocks you over, then you haven't got clear on your why and you definitely haven't turned it from a maybe into a must. You know you've turned it from a maybe into a must when uh, this happens to you and this happened to me fairly recently. There have been many times over the years where I have thought about quitting. In fact, uh, a few times I've exploded and I've just said, Greg, that's it. I'm going to go out and get a job because I'm sick of the pressure and I'm sick of, you know, feeling like I'm not getting it right and I'm just the worry and all of the things that come with being a business owner. You know, the, the people that I can't please and all of this stuff, right? 
And the last time I did this, um, Greg said to me, okay, so what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go online. I'm going to find myself another job. And so I went on to seek and I started looking at jobs. I said, look, there's a job here. It's well paying. I think I should apply for it. It would totally solve all these problems and it, it would just be an easier life. And he goes, all right, go ahead, apply for it then. And I sat there and I realized something in that moment. I can't do it. And I just looked at him and I said, I can't do it. And he went, why not? And I said, because I have to show up because it's bigger than me. It's not about me. And he went, why? Tell me why it's not about you. Tell me why it's bigger than you. And I said, because I'm here to leave a legacy. I said, and most importantly, I've got a mission to serve people. And if I don't show up, I can't guarantee someone else is going to step up and do it because this is my mission and my journey. And I'm the only person who was ever designed to walk this path. Now, that doesn't have to be huge for you, but I want to know what's your must, not your maybe, what's your must? Now, there was an episode we actually did with the amazing Keith Abraham talking about your why. And I highly recommend if you haven't read Keith Abraham's books, check them out. Definitely check out that podcast. But Keith talks about the seven asks and he talks about finding your why by asking yourself seven times, why is this important? And eventually you'll get to that point where you work out what your true why is in your business, why you must show up, why you do what you do. And you know you've got it when you get a little emotional about the response, when you feel your heart space going. And for me, that was about love. My why came down to love. It was about you understanding how incredibly loved you are, learning to love yourself and helping people to step into all that they're capable of and all they're worthy of. Now, I knew that if I stepped back and I took the easy option of going back into the workplace that I was leaving a hole there. There were people that I would not get to impact. I also know I don't get to meet everybody that I impact. I don't get to find out about what it is that I said that might've changed something for you. But I have to trust that by showing up, that's happening. And I can tell you right now, by you showing up, even if it's just checking in on a customer, even if it's providing a product to someone that solves a problem, even if it is you inviting someone to start a business that changes something for them in their home life, their family life, gives them flexibility and freedom, you have had a profound ripple effect and know that you may not ever get to hear what that ripple effect is or how it's impacted others, but know that you're doing it every day that you show up. The thing you've got to get clear about is why it is that you're showing up and you've got to turn it from a maybe into a must so that when you get that adversity, when you get those challenges and those bumps along the road, you you don't question yourself and you'll be like me sitting there going, I simply can't apply for another job because this is a must. This matters so much. The very last mistake that I made and make often is saying yes. <laughs> and the overachieving mums out there all fist pumped in the air and went, that's me, is this concept of I don't want to let anyone down and so I just have to say yes. Or, oh, it's an opportunity and it's a shiny new object and I'm going to say yes. And how many of us do that and then end up totally burning out and not getting anything done well. And, of course, the people we love the most suffer the most when we do that. 
So another thing I had to get really good at doing was learning when to say no. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not something I think you kind of just learn and you switch and you fix it and it's all good. But it is something that we have to be constantly looking at ourselves with and we've got to be making little adjustments. You know, think about it this way. What is so much worse than saying yes all the time? It is having, or sorry, what is worse than saying no, I should say to somebody and letting them down is saying yes, setting an expectation that you'll do it and then you don't do it well. And then you let them down even further. And you know what? At the end of the day, you've got to prioritize you. You matter, but you also want to prioritize the things that are important to you, the business that you're growing. But not every task is an important task to take on. Not everything you do in your business is going to move the needle. And so the question is, when you go to take something new on or when you go to start a new project, asking yourself, is this going to move the needle? Is this actually going to help me? Is this going to be important for my business moving forward or my, uh, myself or my family? Now, my typical way of operating is I come up with great new ideas that are super exciting that I just want to do. And I love to take those ideas on and move forward with them. But then I end up leaving this trail of craziness behind me and feeling overworked and overwhelmed because I just take too much stuff on. And sometimes it takes an accountability partner and I highly recommend that you've got one, whether it's a mentor or a coach or somebody who can really point these things out to you to say, whoa, up a little moment, stop. Is that task, is that project, is that thing going to move the needle? Is that going to help you or your business or your family, or is it going to take away from those things? Sometimes we do things for the right reasons that end up being the wrong reasons. And, you know, for me, because for me, like I said, people pleaser. So I will be looking at taking on tasks all the time to keep people happy, but then it's, it's at the expense of my own happiness or the expense of my family's happiness. So sometimes I have to get really good at learning when to say no. So guys, that's kind of my little summary, I suppose, of some of the biggest mistakes that I've made as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman. And these are not mistakes that you can just switch off and fix overnight. These are things that really come with awareness and most importantly, come with having somebody who can see the bigger picture. One piece of advice I would offer all of you, whether you are brand new in business or whether you've been doing business for a long time, is to always have an accountability partner, a mentor or a coach of some sort. I have, since I started my business, been absolutely blessed by incredible individuals surrounding me all of the time that I trust to point out those times when I need to stop and I need to reassess or reevaluate what I'm doing. These are people who know where I'm going and they believe in me more than I believe in myself a lot of the time. Having people like that alongside of you will help you both to see when you're making these sorts of mistakes, but also help to re-steer you and get you on track and keep you accountable.
Now, it doesn't have to be someone that costs lots of money. I have got a combination of coaches that I pay for, but also mentors, people that I really admire and respect who are running businesses or in positions where I would love to one day get to. These are people that um, that I, I absolutely admire, but I know will be truthful and honest with me. But then I also have some friends and family around me that I know are the right people to listen to. And this is the key. Know who to listen to. There are always going to be the naysayers around you. And I have certainly got my fair share of those people in my family and my friendship circles. But I got really clear early on about who I should and shouldn't listen to. And there are some people that I know when they pipe up, I just smile and nod. Because I've got those people surrounding me that I know are those people who believe in what I'm doing, who want the best for where I'm going and will 100% keep me accountable and be really super honest with me when I really need it the most. And they will help me get out of my own way. So just ask yourself the question, who am I surrounding myself with? Who are my mentors? And if you don't have one, write down the names of some people that you would love to have as a mentor. You know, this, you would be surprised how many people would say yes to you if you just said to them, I really admire you. I really respect you. And I really need somebody to keep me accountable and be my mentor. Would, could that person be you? And that person only needs to be someone that you check in with once every two weeks or four weeks and just share with them where you're going, what your goals are, and most importantly, give them the space to be honest with you and pull you back on track from time to time. A mentor doesn't need to cost you anything, but also it's great to have a coach. The reason I believe in a coach is they do cost you something that something will hurt and you'll therefore do the work. And that for me was always very, very important, was making sure that I 100% followed through with the things that they were getting me to do. And if I didn't have that investment, then I was less likely to follow through. So, Make sure that you're lining yourself up with the right people around you and people that believe in you more than you believe in yourself right at this point in, at this time. So guys, that's it from me today. I don't know if this spoke to one person or a hundred people. And like any episode that I ever come here to do, my job is to just make sure that I'm impacting the one. I'm not worried about the many. It's just the one. So maybe there's just one person that hears this episode today and goes, that was me and I needed to hear this today. And if that's the case, I've 100% done my job. And if you're the 99 other people, that's totally fine. Tune back on in next week. That might be your week where we have a little bit of an impact on you. But for now, sending you loads of love. Thank you again for tuning in to the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. And I look forward to seeing you here again next week. Don't forget to share this episode with somebody and subscribe if you loved it. See you next week. Bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.